Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Let me take you back to about two and a half weeks ago. Steelers just beat the Ravens. Okay. But TJ Watt hurt his finger. Remember that news? And people were starting to get a little worried, but then the Steelers were like, don't worry, no time missed. He's not going to need any surgery. He's going to, well, he will at the end of the year. He's just going to have to deal with it for the remainder of the season. And we're sitting here thinking, okay, well, that's not going to affect the sack master as far as getting sacks are concerned. Maybe that hurts him batting the ball down. Maybe he's not as, you know, capable of picking a ball off from a quarterback. And then, lo and behold, against the Rams, he has no sacks, but he (laughs) drops back into coverage (laughs) and makes the play of the game, as he's one to do, picking off Matt Stafford. And what I think a lot of people pointed out that rings so true is that wasn't just some right place, right time interception from Watt. Uh, that is something that Fred Warner does, and mm-hmm. people are like, that's impressive for even Fred Warner. For, uh, for he, an inside linebacker. He jumped around mm-hmm. and was able to catch the ball in stride uh-huh. that he took it 17, 20 yards mm-hmm. down to the Rams' 7-yard line to set up the Steelers' offense on a silver platter, an offense that was doing nothing to that point all game long. Uh, how it, it how a, mad were you when he didn't get in? I think a lot of people were like... I was worried. I wasn't mad, but oh, I was worried. Oh, no. That could be four points left on the board if he doesn't go in into the end zone. Uh, right. Exactly. Yeah. I was a little bit worried that... He doesn't go in, and they go three and out at like the five-yard line, and you come away with only three points. You can't even go less than 10 yards into the end zone. Right, and I think everybody in Steelers Nation was kind of sweating mm-hmm. when he was down at the seven. Oh, yeah. But people will say, like, oh, well, the offense, you know, they had a really good fourth quarter. They came back, um, scored a couple touchdowns on the ground, finally. Three touchdowns via the I rush after having none through the first mm-hmm. five games of the season for the Steelers. But T.J. Watt won that football game for Pittsburgh against the Rams, despite not getting in the end zone, despite the offense having to finish off that drive, and despite the offense kind of waking up afterwards. But T.J., second play of the second half, doing what Wasn't he did— Wasn't it that first the second play of the second Because they got a first yeah. down, yeah. That— really allowed the offense, I think, to kind of get some confidence going. Not not that going seven yards is anything to pat yourself on the back mm-hmm. of, but finally seeing the ball cross the end zone and doing it on the ground, Kenny Pickett sneaking it in, I think, you know, they were able to go to the sidelines after that, say to themselves, boy, we played another really bad first half, and the Rams score with 17 seconds left going into the half and get the ball back to start the second half. And our best player on our team just flipped the entire script mm-hmm. for this game. On That's what head. he does. 
And I, I think that, that once the offense scores, they go to the sidelines and they say, all right, let's wake up a little bit now. TJ's got the momentum going for the Steelers. We finish things off in the end zone. We need to start pulling our weight a little bit here. We're not going to have another game that features this defensive player of the year front runner, this MVP overall candidate, mm-hmm. go out there and make a a a play that flips a game on its head like that and we're not we're not going to go out there and we're not going to let him down again. We're not going to do the thing where oh wow, that was a great play and the Steelers scored off of that but then they kind of spotted and the Rams ended up winning by a couple field goals. No. We're going to take charge and, and we're going to make sure that we start to pull our weight. And they did, but I don't think that the offense wakes up the way that it did and without I don't, that TJ and I don't play. think the team really rallies like it did without that TJ Watt play right at the start of the second. No, half. I mean we we know the impact that TJ Watt has on this team and with him and without him you've seen this team and you see the difference he makes when he's on the field versus when he's off the field and I was honestly kind of nervous, Tom, because earlier in the day, Miles Garrett had a career day uh, for the Browns against the Colts. He had the sack that turned into the touchdown in the end zone. He had a blocked kick. Do you see that, too? I was worried that people were saying, oh, well, Miles Garrett, come on. He only wins in that pass rush win way over TJ. He doesn't really do a lot else better than TJ, but then he had a career day. I was kind of worried as we... We're going into halftime because T.J. Watt hadn't created a sack yet. Sure, he was getting pressures, but you really rely on his ability to get to the quarterback and sack him as as the the difference maker that he can be for you. And then he goes out, he drops into coverage. When I saw him line up toward the the right sideline, I thought, what is going on? Why are we pulling T.J. off of the line of scrimmage? And his ability to be assigned to the outside receiver and then make the read on Stafford's eyesight, come in to help whoever was covering and jump the route like you mentioned and then be physically tough enough to get nearly into the end zone yet again, right? Because he did it against Baltimore. Mm -hmm. He did it against Matthew Stafford. That's two two games in a row, rather, that he's nearly had a pick six. And... He already has a touchdown from earlier earlier in the year against the Browns. But this guy is <laughs> this guy whose main target is just getting to the quarterback and forcing sacks nearly has three touchdowns on the defensive side of the football. That's what he does. I completely agree with you. Without TJ Watt, without that play, I don't think the Steelers win the game. Because even though it came as the second play to start the second half, still a lot of football left to be played. The Steelers don't rally the way they did in the second half without that tone setter for the second half led by T.J. Watt. Yeah, 100%. So now I think you can kind of give T.J. Watt some credit or direct credit for two wins on the Steelers season this year. The Browns game and Mm, this game. game. And Highsmith had a lot to do with the Browns game as well. But that's, like I kind of mentioned at the beginning of this episode— that kind of trends you towards MVP status. And I'd even say the Baltimore game. Like his impact in the Baltimore game, he gets he gets the turnover and then he gets the game ceiling sack at the end of the game. Yeah, Granted, I mean, he, there was like five seconds he left. He definitely had a major hand in that victory, but like I just feel like you can legitimately give the Rams and the Browns game to him. Right. And I yeah. know that the offense had to score. 
in the third and fourth quarters to help solidify that win. But again, I just I feel very strongly that that game doesn't play out that way if TJ Watt doesn't make that game changing play. Let's put it this, this way: they're four and two. I don't think they're. What are they without him? Yeah, right. Two and four, one and five, one maybe. and five, maybe. So that trends you towards MVP category in my eyes, and I think right now there are two players who are at the top of the non-quarterback MVP talk, mm-hmm. and it's McCaffrey in San Francisco and and TJ Watt in Pittsburgh. McCaffrey just had his worst career game, but he's, with the Niners, but he also scored two touchdowns. He scored two touchdowns. Did you see now he scored in like sixteen, 16 straight, straight games? games? So NFL record for most games with a touchdown. Insane. Yeah, there's only two people that are not, like you said, non-quarterbacks that are worthy that are of right there MVP In talks. my eyes, mm-hmm. at the top of the list. No, and I'm with you. It, maybe you throw Tyreek Hill in, too. Yeah, I was going to say Tyreek Hill is potentially, just unbelievable. Yeah. He's the best wide receiver in football right now. But he has eyes. the quarterback that can get him yeah, in football. And that's right. quarterback's going to jump him in the MVP race, where McCaffrey's quarterback doesn't look that great lately, and uh, Pickett ain't going to be in the MVP race. <laughs> Not yet, at least, no. in, in his career. But uh, it's really a remarkable to see a player on the defensive side have such an impact on the offense for the team right. as well. Like, really, you can go down the list, and it won't be – it will be shorter than you expect to see T.J. Watt show up as far as an offensive player. You know what I mean? Like, For sure. Uh, uh, excuse me. I worded that poorly. Looking at no, players that it. impact the Steelers' offense, you'll actually find T.J. Watt on that higher list. up that yeah. list than you would ever expect a defensive mm-hmm. player to to show up. Um, y- there is no question in my mind that he's the defensive player of the year. I-, I don't know if the odds have been updated after last week's performance, but still think Parsons and Garrett just well. Garrett definitely. I think had, right now Garrett had a great game last Garrett week. Garrett and and T.J. rank now ahead of. Micah, granted, Micah Parsons was just on the bye week, but we still haven't seen him. Like through the first three weeks, I think it was a two man race between TJ and Micah Parsons, but Micah's kind of slowed down. Micah has kind of slowed down a bit. Uh, Miles Garrett has not slowed down a bit. He was just incredible against the uh yeah i mean like we want to talk about all the things that tj watt does that miles garrett hasn't trying to see there's one thing now that miles garrett has done that tj watt hasn't okay and that's blocked the kick this was updated on october 22nd so that's so that was like probably depending on the time yeah before or after all of the games were played uh but what's the second favorite as far as you know behind micah behind micah parsons that's just so that means to me that just means it's not a that wasn't a timely enough update. I, I feel like this is kind of becoming a popularity contest as well uh-huh. when it comes to... I mean, think about it. If Mike is on the Commanders... Is he even considered? No. Um, but let's look at the stats and compare for all the front runners and defensive player of the year right now. Watt, who I think is at the top, is eight sacks, two forced fumbles, mm-hmm. and an interception on the year, and he's also scored a touchdown. Miles Garrett has five and a half sacks. He has one forced fumble, and he has zero interceptions. All of those are less than TJ Watt. Right, but he has a block kicked. Cool. I mean, that it's a pretty big it, deal. But I, it's a know, big deal. <laughs> Micah Parsons has deal. five sacks, one forced fumble, zero interceptions, less than TJ Watt. Right. Uh, Donald, two and a half sacks. I mean, Donald's not really in his prime anymore. And then Nick Bosa only has two and a half sacks this year. Um, Chris Jones has five and a half sacks. I, I think Chris Jones is actually probably higher up on that list than some Just people. Just because of the value he brings to that Chiefs And you defense. saw it immediately. Right. I mean, I know that they didn't get lit up by the Lions. No, in one, but, but once he came back. They haven't back, lost since he's been right, in the lineup. Right. Um, six and one, six and oh, 
with Chris Jones in the fold. Uh, and then you got like your Aiden Hutchinson's and your Fred Warner's kind of Daniel Hunter, up. I think, is leading the league in sacks right now. Okay. So and that's a guy that's probably going to get some A guy love. who leads the league in sacks is always going to be in the conversation. Always going to be considered for Defensive Player of the Year when you're He's the, one ahead of TJ, of right? One ahead of TJ right now, but I think the Vikings haven't yet played on their bye yet. So, so keep he's that had in a mind. little extra time yeah. to, one to extra stack game. those pads. That pad for himself. But there's just no way that you can really present to me any way that this dude's not the depoy. And it's a long season to go. Garrett could have like a seven sack game, push Derek Thomas's single game record, and end up with twenty sacks themselves, and maybe an interception himself, and 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 flip this by the end of the year. But if TJ stays healthy, I'm a hundred percent confident that he will continue to make plays like this week in and week out. That will just keep him in the front, in the pole position when it comes to that uh, that race, that defensive player of the year race. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I don't see him slowing down. Like you said, oh, no, his, his thumb injury, if anything, should have prevented him from picking off that pass. Now, he and wasn't it effective in the pass rush. No. But what I loved so much from the Steelers and the defense is, and I don't think you saw this against Houston, when they were doing a good job of neutralizing the Steelers' pass rush. McVay and the Rams' offense were taking that out of the game, taking Watt away from the game, so they drop Watt back into coverage on the second play of mm-hmm. the second half, somewhere that he's not supposed to be, that Stafford never expects him to be. And you could tell, the court, like Matt Stafford is prone to make a mistake or two. He's got six interceptions now on the season after the T.J. Watt one. Um, he's been a bit of a gunslinger throughout his entire career. He doesn't throw that ball very often to the tune of how blatant T.J. Watt was able to jump in front of that route and pick it right. up. He was not expecting T.J. to be there. Um, that was not the pre-snap read that Stafford made uh, on that play. And kudos to the Steelers' defense for you know throwing something new at them, changing mm-hmm. things up a little bit, and allowing T.J to impact the game even if he wasn't able to sack the quarterback. Yeah, it's it's kind of mind-blowing because I mentioned earlier when I saw that play before the snap, I thought, why is TJ not lined up on the line of scrimmage? I thought this could be not a because they were the Rams were like at their 25-yard line. I didn't think what was going to result was a 70-yard play for the Rams. I just thought this is kind of a wasted play for the Steelers because TJ's not lined up where he should be. But lo and behold, I guess it doesn't really matter where you line up TJ Watt because no matter where you do, he's got such a high football IQ, he's going to make the right play for you no matter where you put him on the field. And I kind of agree with you how it reminded me of the Houston game where the pass rush wasn't getting there. I... I we saw Alex Highsmith more so getting those pressures than we did T.J. Watt. Yes. And that could have been a result of the Rams kind of just saying how the Steelers did with how do you beat Aaron Donald? You just kind of avoid him. How do you beat T.J. Watt? You just kind of throw your entire offensive line on him. And Alex Highsmith had a lot of pressures. He never got to the quarterback, but the Larry Joby sack that came in the first half was a result of an Alex Highsmith pressure. So... It just goes to show that T.J. Watt's value is so much more than just what he can produce for you. It's how another team plans against him and leaving leaving T.J. Watt's teammates open 
to get those quarterback pressures and get those sacks like Highsmith and Larry Ogunjobi did. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. We got to talk about the offense, but I mean, we've talked so much TJ Watt and talked so much defense mm-hmm. in this episode. Let's just keep giving praise to that side of the ball. Minka was Roy Kent. He was here, he was there, he was everywhere. Yeah. 11 total tackles, six solo. How many? Um, like two for a loss, I you think? Know, to official tackles for a loss. But, but two, at least was, at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, right? there was that one play that he blew up real mm-hmm. fast. Uh, he is overextended this year because he's trying to cover for, I think, a lot of deficiencies in that secondary. For and a lot safeties of, and corners. And a lot of times, you know, it, it can be a detriment, but it was necessary against the Rams, and he did it flawlessly against mm-hmm. the Rams. He was... He was an eraser out there, and other than T.J. Watt, naturally so because he's the second-best player on the defense. He was the second-best player in that game against the Rams in my eyes. And then Joey Porter Jr. really impressed me. Right. Um, I-, I know that maybe there were some plays that eyes that are more keen to identifying zone or man than I am can tell you if Porter messed up or not. But it really looked like Porter was not the one that was making the mistakes no. out there. And I think the one play people point to is that missed tackle on Puka Nakua. And that's just and something everybody that... was, of course, like, oh, great, he had to miss a tackle, right? Because that's what everybody's saying the negative is of him. Right, so. but he handled it pretty professionally in the locker room after one question about it. Of course he did. He's a he's ready for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, mentally, physically, right. he's ready for all of what comes with being that starting corner. Um, Nakua had a great game. But not when Porter Jr. was on him. Porter did a very good job of neutralizing him. The the one play that I really remember the is when third he reached around him yep. and batted the ball away. And as the Rams were driving, Wolf was even saying on the broadcast, "Oh, Joey, maybe a little too early. Maybe uh-huh. he was, but make the ref make that call." And that, and I think I see right that now play from corners all the time in the NFL that reach around, mm-hmm. bat the ball down. Um, great corners can make that play. Corners with size, speed, and Porter's got both. So. Uh, a real, real impressive performance from Joey Porter Jr. I know that they were in nickel and dime a lot because of the Rams personnel, so we don't really know who was the starting outside corner or not, but that kid's got to play. He's got to be on the field more often than not, more than the other two as well, because he's the only one, Jacob, that I see making plays every week. Uh, not named Minka in that secondary. Yeah, okay, I was going to say, other than Minka and other than TJ up front, I mean, every time... He's been targeted. I, I I think that he's just, I mean he's young. Don't get me wrong, but he's establishing himself among those rookie cornerbacks or rookie safeties from this draft class, proving how stacked and how deep this class truly was. Not just names coming out of the draft and thinking, oh, it could be a really good class, and then turns out that that college level didn't really translate to the professionals. But you've seen now. All those other rookie cornerbacks and rookie safeties translate to a professional NFL caliber level. And it's pretty obvious now after shutting down Cooper Cup for, what, three catches mm-hmm. on the day? Less than 30 yards, I think. And when targeted, Puka Nakua, he kind of effectively shut him down as well. Maybe had one catch allowed on him. 
doing as good of a job as any of those other rookie rookie uh, defensive backs in this draft class. Yeah, and those other rookie defensive backs have been getting more opportunity than Joey Porter Jr. has. Um, oh, yeah. And it's about time to see him step up and step into a, a much bigger role than he has been. It's just so funny to look at the box score and see Watt with just the one tackle, uh, one solo tackle, one pass defended. Just like If you didn't watch the game, you'd, you'd think, think, or if you didn't scroll far enough down on the box score, you'd think just a very quiet game from T.J. Watt. But just such an unbelievable play uh, from him. I'll tell you who I saw once again lacking out there. Levi Wallace, of course. Yeah. But also KZ and Neil. Uh That brings me to this interesting point. There was a little trade in the NFL yesterday. Right. The Titans sent all-pro safety Kevin Byard to the Eagles. I'm not suggesting the Steelers should have been in on the Kevin Byard trade. Fifth, sixth-round pick go to Tennessee. And Terrell Edmonds goes to Tennessee. I would not be opposed, and I've heard this take around the radio waves of Pittsburgh since the trade was made, would not be opposed with the Steelers and Omar Khan reaching out to Tennessee and seeing sixth-round pick, seventh-round pick, bring us Terrell Edmonds back, because I'm not making Terrell Edmonds out to be, you know, Rod Woodson coming back and, and converting to the safety spot like later in his career. But it seems to be he's a more not, reliable He's not John option. Lynch coming in here. No. But he and Minka had a very good rapport mm-hmm. with each other. They had developed some pretty good chemistry. And Minka is having to cover for Casey and Neal more than he had to for Edmonds. Edmonds did a decent enough job kind of plugging in for Minka, covering for Minka to let him go do Minka things. Uh, Casey and Neal just haven't been cutting it this year. And with Edmonds being cheap and the Titans pretty much being out of it, I really don't think that Terrell Edmonds factors into Tennessee's long-term plans uh, at that position, I would at least put a feeler out there because I think Edmonds would be an upgrade from both KZ and Neil right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm. it's pretty obvious. And I don't think it would take more than a sixth-round pick at most. You didn't have high expectations for Levi Wallace, right, this year, but I... Th- Higher than what he's doing, at least. Well, that's what I'm saying, is I think the biggest disappointment on defense right now is overall the secondary, but specifically the play that you're getting out of your second and third safeties. Because what you saw out of DeMonte Casey last year, as your kind of floating safety number three, where he could come in in replacement of Minka or Terrell Emmons on any given play and just for like, a drive or maybe a couple of plays, you thought, okay, he is a really good third option. And when you signed Keanu Neal, you thought it's the exact you, you thought you were getting DeMonte Casey 2.0. You thought you were getting the exact same guy that can come in for a couple of plays. You can get a really good rotation between Minka and those two guys. And sure the play between Levi Wallace and Pat Pete has been disappointed. Disappointing, but I think equally so, if not more so. The play you've gotten out of Keanu Neal and DeMonte Casey has been the biggest disappointment on defense this year. Agreed. Those two had high hopes this season to be a, a nice one-two punch. And mm-hmm. you know, I were, mean, you could really just say the play of Casey, Neal, Pat Pete, Levi in total has been a, a disappointment. And I might put KZ at the top of that list just because I thought he was going to be able to he play. He showed you last year, center yeah. field, let Minka, you know, float up to the line of scrimmage, let him do a lot of creative things. 
and between him and Neal, it's just it's just been such below the line play at that safety position. It's kind of um, what it's just I, kind I, of this trend that the Steelers have, right? They they bring in a guy like you mentioned, Akella Witherspoon has a really hot start, and then you kind of see what he really is a couple of games later. It's it's kind of what you got out of KZ. You had a really good start when he came in after his injury and after his suspension, and all of a sudden the new season, it's just not up to par. Yeah, and. Both of those players don't have the chemistry that Minka and Edmonds no. have built up the past couple for of four years for yeah. four seasons. So I I think it would be a good move. I, again, I'm not saying that this is make or break. You have to go do it. Um, and I'm not saying that this is a move that puts you over the top. Right. I just think that this is a logical move to help improve your defense, where you won't have to give up much draft capital and you will not have to pay the guy really anything at all once he comes. It's like $2 million on his salary. It was surprising in the offseason when you saw the parting of the ways between the Steelers and, and Edmonds and Steelers and Cam Sutton. I think those are two guys yeah, the team has just not worked out desperately missing. The Steelers. Right. Um, but it's not like the Steelers just let them walk without a plan. They clearly had a different plan with right. the Neil and KZ. Yeah, and then, with and then Pat, Pat Pete, Pete. keeping Levi. Like they ha- and they drafting Joey Porter Jr. Corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they had a plan. It's just that it hasn't worked out for your Pittsburgh Steelers as far as those plans are concerned. We're going to switch over to the offensive side of the ball in our next episode here. Before I do, though, I want to tell you, you can gear up with the latest sideline apparel hats or jerseys of your favorite players, authentic memorabilia, custom items, and exclusives you can only find directly from the team at one of the official Steelers Pro Shops located at Akershire Stadium, the Grove City Premium Outlets, or Tanger Outlets, or visit us online at shop.steelers.com. Mr. Fourth Quarter, Kenny Pickett. Haven't talked about him in 20 or so (laughs) minutes. we got to talk about him next. That's on the way on the Steelers Standard.